Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John, and no Brandon today. That's all right. That is all right because today, John, mm-hmm. we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC 287 from Miami, Florida, and Oh, you know John's ready to talk about this one. Yeah. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's massive UFC fight night between Max Holloway and Arnold Allen. And there are plenty of other fun fights on this card to discuss. And as always, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts. But first, John. Yeah. How we doing on episode 128 of the Neon Belly podcast? Some people mm-hmm. calling this the number of fluid ounces in a gallon episode of oh, the yeah. Neon Belly podcast. I've actually been waiting on this. Yeah. You know? yeah. Gallon's a really good measurement. Yes. Um, Some so. people. That's what I've heard. Oh, yeah. 128. That's the number of fluid ounces in a gallon. Yeah, that's the that's my favorite uh, measurement to buy uh, water. Yeah, in gallons. So. Uh, it is Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter, everybody! Happy Easter releasing for belated, sure. belated Easter, I guess, because this goes right. out on Monday. I uh, was going to do some Easter themed MMA trivia again this year, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Brandon's absence has yeah. um, saved you all from that. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you went to the bottom of the well to get the last ones last year. If you guys have been with us this long, yeah, last year, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was one of the <laughs> toughest missions I sent out um, to find Easter facts. Um, and then try to relate them back to MMA uh, was not easy. Not easy, but feather in the cap. That is a feather in the cap. How That's many right. people can say they've been able to do that? Yeah, you definitely got to dig deep there. Yeah. That's for show. Um, obviously, like I said, we've got so much to talk about. And yeah. I mean, UFC 287, we could probably have done a whole episode on that alone. Mm-hmm. The main event probably could have been Ooh. a whole episode. Uh, but we don't have that luxury, right? No, uh, full-time workers over here. <laughs> yeah, so we got to cram it all in today. Um, hoping to keep this uh, relatively easy. Like I said, without Brandon... Um, just us, but man, like there's just so much I want to get to, but mm-hmm. I think right off the top, before we get into UFC 287 and our picks for, uh, Max, Al- uh, Max, Max Holloway Allen. versus Arnold Allen, uh, we have to talk about the live show. Yeah. The yeah. UG live show, baby. The kickback. The kickback. Um, so if you did not know, uh, we did our first live show on the MMA Underground and MixedMartialArts.com platform called The Kickback. Mm-hmm. And this is a new show um, that we are going to be doing uh, with them before every big pay-per-view. Right. Um, and we kind of teased it last week and mm-hmm. did not know when we were doing the episode last Sunday that it was going to come to fruition so fast. Right. Uh, oh, for sure. Um, but essentially, I guess just to give a little background, so I am interning a part of the team now, MMA Underground with John Morgan and the MMA podcasting goat, producing goat, Cody Marrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um And having this podcast, something that we've worked our butts off for a couple years now, um, we were given the opportunity through John Morgan, through Cody, um, to take what we do here and do something on their platform. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, uh, just to start, like as I said, we're just going to do the pay-per-views for right now. Um, So I think the next one is May, the first week of May, it's 288, right? May 4th, I want to say. So that Friday, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll give plenty of reminders, don't Mm -hmm. worry. Um, But we're going to be doing the next live show to preview the pay-per-view and then if it becomes something i mean 
I mean, if it gets bigger, you know, you never know. It could turn into right. a weekly, bi-weekly thing. We'll see. Um, but the goal is that we can get you guys and other UFC fans just like us to participate, give your thoughts on the fights, and give your predictions the night before the big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to discuss anything else that you may want to talk about. It doesn't even have to be about the pay-per-view. If it's MMA-related or anything else for that matter that's fun, um, bring it. And we had a great group yeah, for this first one. I mean, just we went into it, like I said, kind of last minute, put it together, made it happen. Um, but the chat was so fun, man, and, mm-hmm. and getting interactions and hearing hearing other people's thoughts on the fight was just so dope um and just thank you to anybody that was able to jump in on that first one if you didn't it's all good like i said last minute you maybe didn't see it on our yeah, instagram we didn't even get to promote it as much so we didn't no next we time didn't. around we'll definitely absolutely absolutely um but again it's just a big opportunity for us for the mm-hmm. future of this podcast um and we're just extremely thankful to to john Mo- morgan and cody marrow as well as the whole mixed martial arts.com team mm-hmm. um i've already wrote a couple articles for the website as well doing some other content with them um and we'll see man i mean it's yeah. just it's just been so fun and uh really really excited for the kickback man, man. and big the shout f- out to our boy dino for stepping in yes with us. yeah brandon uh, has been busy this weekend wasn't able to to do any of the shows um and obviously our boy dino swoke stepping in yeah shout out to him as well uh doing his eat the cake anime on facebook if you're mm-hmm. into anime you can go check out him and our boy nove doing their thing over there um, so aside from following us on all of our social media, also make sure that you are following the MMA underground socials as well at the UG on mm-hmm. all of those platforms. Um, and go over to their YouTube, subscribe to that, hit that bell notification. That way, if for whatever reason, maybe you miss that we go live, you don't right. hear the episode or whatever before you'll get notified of that. And with that, John, mm-hmm. before we get into UA- UFC 287, mm-hmm. rate, sub, follow, let the people know what we ask them to do each and every week. And now, folks, now, more important than ever, we need the support. Let's oh, go. Yeah, man. We we have so much opportunity and so much things happening, um, and we're just growing, and that's all thanks to what you guys do for us, whether that's interacting with us on our social media, um, listening to the whole episodes. We're on YouTube, Neon Belly Podcast, Instagram, TikTok. Um, we post a lot of post a lot of our clips. Um, obviously, we don't have our full clips yet, but that's something that we're looking to doing down the road. But your guys' support just makes it easier for us to do more. And, and like you were saying with the live show, is like we want to talk to you guys because all we do is talk to each other and we pretty much know what the yeah. other person is going to say. So Absolutely. it helps us out so much just to get some fresh takes and, and things to think about. And we love to answer questions. We're nerds with this and we would love to nerd out with you guys. So yeah. come at us on our social medias. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can give us a five-star and you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a ton, too. So just really appreciate you guys. And the Twitter machine, we're firing yeah. it back up. Firing it back up. Tweeting last night all throughout the fights. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, you know, make sure you get on the Twitter. Obviously, I think that one's at Neon Belly Pod. We need just need to change it to podcast. That way, right. it's unanimous across all platforms. Shouldn't be an issue there. Yeah, we're but, active out here, man. Yeah, man. Get in. Get involved. Like I said, fight nights. That's where you can find us talking about the fights. And with that, I am so ready to talk about UFC 287 this past Saturday from Miami, Florida, and in our main event. John. <laughs> Israel Adesanya yeah. defeats Alex Pereira via second round knockout. 
I mean, is there any more buttons I can hit on this soundboard? Three minus one equals two, and that is now two-time champ mm-hmm. for Israel Adesanya. Um, and I think, as our residential Izzy fan, John, there is only one thing to do here, and that is for you to take it away and let us know what the heck happened in this man. fight. Man, uh... I love this sport, man, and it's because of stuff like this. I mean, obviously, even if Izzy wasn't my favorite fighter, that was an amazing moment. But as somebody who's been following him and, and a real big fan of him, I, I watch his uh, YouTube channel behind the scenes stuff, the build up stuff. So to see it all come to fruition, um, crazy fight starts off. They're both filling each other out. It looks like Alex is getting back to those leg kicks. I mean, Izzy even talked about it um, being something that he thought he was a little bit more ready for, but he's just really good at him. Izzy had his moments. And then the second round comes. Izzy starts turning up a little bit more, and uh, but he keeps taking leg kicks. It's looking like he's barely able to stand on it. He gets against the cage. I in my head have like three seconds of like, oh man, it's a you know replay of the first fight. I literally said like he Alex leg kicked Izzy, and Izzy showed up and just kind of fell in the cage. And I literally like thirty seconds before was like, uh oh, this is it. And it was it, but right. it just wasn't the it that I thought and it was going to be. And Izzy leans uh, to the side and kind of hides that right hand. And yeah. just as Alex is loading up that left hook, he puts a jab in front of him and throws his right and lands it before Alex can get that yeah. left around and stumbles him, follows up, and then hits a, a ground and pound shot that's very reminiscent of some of the worst ones we've seen as oh, far dude, as this. Al- yeah, Alex was out cold, man. Yeah. Cold. That was that was crazy. Yeah. What a shot. And then you have the post-fight uh celebrations the the feelings i think i did like two laps around your island in the kitchen like it's yeah, just i mean you said it man that's why we love this sport and it's moments like this you know it, it was me with john jones a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. you know when when something like this sport can can evoke that kind of emotion and bring something like that out of you the, the joy that it brings and the happiness and and just that feeling of getting behind a guy or a girl that you're a fan of and i think in fighting more so than any other sport man you just you you get behind. I don't know. There's it's, just because it's one on one. It's one on one, and there's just such an attachment almost to certain mm-hmm. people. That's why you know it's so hard for me nowadays to even have a favorite fighter right. because of like stuff like this. What Izzy's gone through, and um, so I couldn't imagine. You know, obviously as a fan, you know, if you're an Izzy fan today, you know, congrats to you, man. I mean, this yeah. has got to be. I mean, congrats to Izzy and his team, but uh, it's got to feel good to be an Adesanya fan today. But yeah, I said on Friday's show that one thing that stood out to me. Um, this fight week um, that I did not think about prior was, and Izzy said it midweek, is that he's the hunter again. Mm-hmm. This fight makes him the hunter again um, uh, because, you know, being the champion for so long, he was the hunted. Um, and it made me think the best version of Izzy that we have ever seen in the UFC was when he was the hunter. You know, all of those fights in the lead up to the interim title fight and then the interim title fight itself, and then the uh, it all culminated mm-hmm. in that uh, undisputed championship fight with Robert Whitaker, and he finish Whitaker in impressive fashion and here he does it again um so now that he has the title back I think for Izzy he has to find a way to keep that hunter mentality Mm -hmm. even with the title you know and maybe losing that title has kind of awakened the dog in him and we'll just see more of this moving forward to him but that was just something that the now new champ said you know in the lead up to this fight and I'm like man that is a good point you know that he's kind of 
because you know fighters say that right too right. and sometimes you're like man i just don't really know if i believe you though you know mm -hmm. and and it's easy to say that stuff but izzy definitely all fight week you could tell was just laser focused mm -hmm. and like i said to me it was just re very reminiscent to that whole run and the mindset that he had up to the robert whitaker fight and like i said you look at these knockouts between Whitaker and Pereira, and you know there's a lot to draw similarity well, yeah. as there as well. He stayed. You're right in the pocket of danger. Didn't he? Did he knock Whitaker out in the second round too? Yeah, yeah. Because he dropped him in yeah. the first and didn't get the finish. But he has this thing of being able to be in danger and still see an opening. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing that I talked about when we were watching it is it seemed like Izzy had a really good game plan of letting Alex get punches off over the shell and then exploding because he was a little yeah. bit lazy getting resetting before he would um, come back to it. And I do think, you know, ultimately this is a little bit of the lack of experience on Pajeda with MMA, maybe not MMA, but it just seemed like he rushed in thinking, all right, this is the same, you know, pattern that happened our last fight. And that's kind of what Izzy was banking on um, after his leg got hurt. He kind of needed him to sit in front of him and get a chance to throw something big. Sure. But like I said, I mean, good for him. I, I just can't imagine the mental relief that he must be experiencing today, uh, Adesanya. You know, the pressure to win this fight had to be unreal. Um, imagine if he lost. You know, the story would be so different today. Mm -hmm. His legacy would have possibly forever been altered, you know, because he probably would have never got to fight Pereira again. Right. There's a good chance of it, you know. Um, yet here we are. He's back on top of the mountain. Um, so I think that leads us to what do we do next, right? Where does this division go? Um, uh, the 185-pound title. Mm -hmm. I think if a title is not on the line, Alex Pereira has no interest in making 105 85 pounds right. ever again. Um, and normally for a guy who won a title but never defended it, the idea of an immediate rematch would be off the table. But again, as I said on our live show on Friday, this is the most unique rivalry mm -hmm. we've ever seen in MMA. Um, so do you think that given the history and the uniqueness of this rivalry, also they are now one and one in MMA with each having a knockout finish, should we see Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira, the MMA trilogy fight next? It's tough because I would love to say that there's maybe some different type of logics for things, but we've seen the UFC loves to take advantage of a storyline, kind of like you said. There is, um, there's a couple guys that have multiple wins in the division sure. against top guys um, who could, who also are interesting storylines. But, you know, it will come down to what Pajeda wants to do as far as making the weight. I think Dana said in the post fight, he was still two pounds off an hour before the weigh-ins. Sure. Um, I didn't see that. That's crazy. So, you know, this He's is... a big guy. Yeah, I mean... This guy is huge. I think Glover said, like, fight week, he was quoted as saying that Pedeta can and might eventually fight a heavyweight one day. So. I mean, the guy's going to have to cut for 205. Yeah. Izzy didn't do anything for his 205, just to kind of give you a reference sure. of... Yeah, he came in different, at, like, 203 or something. Yeah, yeah, just the difference of the type of guy. So it, I think it'll just depend on what happens for that. And then even for Alex, you know, this is the first time we're seeing him take an MMA loss. Mm -hmm. How, you know, what does he want to do? Or second MMA yeah. loss. Um, but, like, the to have the knockout in the UFC. So it, it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do with it. Yeah. It seems like Dana was leaning more toward him going to 205 in this post fight yeah which i don't understand like why would you kind of no sell 
you know, the third fight there. Um, I think there's a case for it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I get Whitaker probably deserves a shot too. Uh, but when you also have a guy like Hamzat Shemaev sitting there, why not take advantage of that and have them face off with the winner getting the next shot? You know, I think it'd be a great time to take advantage of having another contender like Shemaev because for a long time, this has been a two-man division, you know, mm-hmm. for a while um, with, you know, Izzy sitting on top and then Whitaker kind of that, that one a or one B, you know, like kind of between the rest of the pack or whatever. Um, but having, and then Alex Pedeta injected into that has kind of changed the narrative a little bit. And like I said, now with Shimaev moving up to 185 pounds, you got him. Um, and, um, Regardless whether it's Whitaker or Pereira, you're getting a trilogy fight out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So a big trilogy fight as well. Right. Um, so I guess my thought with that is why not just run it back? You could you could do um, Whitaker, Shimaev. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I, I also do understand that there is a case for Robert Whitaker as well. I think there's um, somebody else as well. Who's that? I think Duplessis has a good claim. Oh, no. He's claim. A, no, he's not, over, a, not over Whitaker. But not Whitaker's over, already lost to him not twice. Over, yeah, but not over, But the, that that doesn't... He's not even on that level yet. I mean, he just beat Brunson. Yeah, you don't get title shots off Derek Brunson. He needs to beat like a Marvin Vittori, Apollo Costa, you know, some of these guys that are more at but those, the You're also naming guys that's already been beat by Izzy. Yeah, well, but that's what I'm saying. You you finally got a guy in Shimaev who's this boogeyman and this world beater. You don't go throw... You know, Drikas Duplessis is not getting a title shot over Alex Pereira, Hamza Shimaev, or Robert Whitaker. You got three guys there who all have a bid at that title now, and there's no way Duplessis jumps any of those three. I mean, the guys won like six, seven in a row in the division and just beat a top. What, what was Brunson, sure. five? I don't remember, five or six. I mean, that's for sure, but yeah, they're, they're not going to do that. That will never happen. I don't know, man. John, a, but, but, never, but listen, you got to understand. First of all, listen. John wants the best fight for Izzy. No. <laughs> I mean, he just fought the scariest guy he could fight. But listen uh, to this, though. No, I, they I missed their, Is they, it, though, or is it Hamzat Shemaev? I don't know. Hamzat Shemaev arguably lost to Gilbert Burns. But we won't go no, there. No, he didn't arguably. It was a good fight. It was a close fight. I thought fight. he lost. No. But what I'm saying is... UFC missed their chance at some of this this chance to do a big Africa card. It's never that's the fight. It will never be Drakus. So we can take him out. I mean, you can say that, but John, I will. I will give you my car if Drikas Duplessis fights Israel Adesanya next. (laughs) I don't know. I I just don't think you can give Whitaker a third fight anytime soon because he's already beat him twice. Trilogies all the time, man. But there's not a win for Whitaker there. Yeah, he, he's, he won his last fight against... No, no, no I'm um, saying against Izzy. Right, but... He's 2-0. and oh, there's that, that never matters. And the thing is... It does, it, And especially, you know, even if... That's what I'm saying. Like, even if he's not next-next, you could put... If he beats Hamzat Shimaev, you don't put him in a third fight with Izzy? Right, but what I'm saying is there's room there between that fight sure, so for something else. Right, but if you don't do that, then you just do Pedeta. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Either way, you have but a big I'm, trilogy fight next, and nobody... And the thing is, is, and I think even still, is there's a lot of people that think Robert Whitaker can beat Israel Adesanya because they've been so close. Right. Especially, I mean, the first fight, no. But that second fight was a lot closer, and right. there's no denying that Robert Whitaker has gotten so much better, and I think you have to measure that. And I do think at times, Dana White and the UFC, they do that, where they do step back and look at like, okay, yeah, maybe there is those two losses, but you can't deny this guy's also elevated to another level. And that level, and, and all due respect to Drikas Duplessis, who I do think with another win... Definitely gets his name in that title picture, but he hasn't done enough to, to overthrow Robert Whitaker of that spot. I mean, or, 
Pajeda did enough to do it just by beating Strickland. It's just different, though. There's a story there. There's nothing with Drikas Duplessis and Israel Adesanya. But the other side is, what if Pajeda doesn't want the trilogy fight? So that and, and that does become and, and that I then that, you can owe me your truck because the only person there available to fight him that makes sense would be no, it's Robert Whitaker. Or no, I'm saying if you put them two against each well, they other, they won't do that. I, I think they're gonna take a minute. That'll never happen. They'll do one of those three next for Izzy. Barn, there's no. I think there's no other options at the top. Um, but, um, like I said, I do think there's a case for it, but let me submit, I will say, cause you just brought up a good point is what if Pedata doesn't want to fight at 85 again? So let me submit one more option. Um, that if I'm the UFC, regardless of what, you know, anything, I think you have to consider this and shout out to my buddy Dorman who brought this up to me today and kind of got my mind going on it a little bit and thinking is, um, if you didn't want to do the immediate MMA trilogy fight between Adesanya and Pereira. What if the UFC allows Pereira to move up to 205 and challenge for the title after the Hill Prohashka fight? Then, if he can pull off that and win, you know, beat whoever comes out on the other side of that as champion, the MMA trilogy fight between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira would be for the light heavyweight title. And this gives Izzy a chance to get his double champ status, which yeah. we know he wants. He right. wants that. And then Pereira obviously wouldn't have to cut back down to 185 pounds um i think that fight would be massive at that weight class i think the third meeting between them um happening at 205 pounds is mm -hmm. way bigger if they even rematch immediately right now um because you would be adding in the double champ storyline right. for izzy um but it would also hinge on potato winning that light heavyweight title over prohashka or hill right. whoever comes out of that so but that's also why i'm saying um they'd almost have to give him an immediate shot because you don't want him taking a fight in him i mean alex potato taking a fight and uh risk getting knocked out by let's say a jan blachowicz right? right you know you so and i uh, I will say as well, I think there is also a case for Pedeta going up and challenging immediately for a title after Prohashka Hill. That fight has to happen. Yeah. But there is a case coming off being um, a, a middleweight champion. champion. Yeah. That's a super fight. I mean, it is. Yeah. Even though he didn't defend it, you know, to beat a guy like Izzy and, and then do it in the way he did, regardless of how this one played out. Um, like, and I, I, mean, like I said, I always say, I think we got to get behind super fights. That's a, that'd be a big fight. Mm -hmm. And it's not like there's like a world beater at 205 right now that's really knocking down the door. Uh, Magomed. That's a good point, and that would suck for a guy like Magomed, I guess, right, as well. Right, because you had the, the fight with him and Blahovich that went the way it went. Yeah, but you don't want to send Pereira up and put him against Magomed. You no. know, and then, and then like, hey, if you win that, we'll give you a right. title shot. That's yeah, what I'm there, saying. There's a lot of circumstance sure. for how rare this whole situation yeah. is. Because you also did have Blahovich calling out to Izzy, like, hey, <laughs> let's do this again at middleweight. I don't know how... Jan Blahovich makes no. 185, yeah, but that 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 one's up there with the Duplay seed. No way it happens. No, know, no way it happens. I'd be honest with you. If I'm Israel Adesanya, um, I think Izzy deserves some time off. This yeah. dude has been so active, man, since winning the title. He's got to be the most active champion um, of the last however many since he's had the belt. Um, and like I said, the mental wear that this fight had to have on him going into this, the quick turnaround, the doubts, and, and all that stuff. If I'm Izzy, man, I am just take a year, man. Listen to this. It's funny you say that. Ariel tweeted this last night or yesterday. He said, not as enough said about Israel Adesanya's activity. This yep. will be his 15th UFC fight since Crazy. his debut in 2018. It'll be his 10th title fight. 
since he first fought for the belt of any kind in 2019, yes. and he returns less than five months after losing his belt in November. So the, the mental wear on this guy, and here's the thing: it's it's Adesanya. So do I think he's going to take time off? Probably not, because right. like what he just said right there, he's so active. But if I'm Izzy, man, I mean, he deserves it. If anything mm-hmm. else, he deserves that time to just. Exhale, maybe, maybe enjoy come back this. in the end of the year. Maybe end of the year, yeah. Let let Whitaker and Shimaya figure it out. Um, but again, you know, if they were to offer him something big, I, I think he takes it as well. But I don't know, man. It's interesting because there is, like I said, there's you could do the rematch with Potato, which is massive. Whether it's at eighty five or two hundred five, mm-hmm. Whitaker massive trilogy fight. Shimaev massive massive fight right. to see those two finally square off because that's a, that that's a collision. I mean that. They've been on a crash course for a while, mm-hmm. and it's been coming. Shemaya's already talking and calling him out on Twitter, I saw. So, so many options there, but, yeah, I don't know how it plays out. It's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I know Dana said he expects Pedeta to move up, but if he yeah. does, there's still a storyline there. Well, that's what I was saying uh, on Twitter last night, is, like, the outcome of this fight was going to change the landscape of so much, yeah. regardless of how it went. If, right. if Pajeda remains champion, he's got to make a decision on it if he wants to go up and stay down or do both. He has all these fresh fighters. And for Izzy, you know, you you got to remind the division, like, hey, uh-uh, I'm still back up here, yeah. and you guys still have to try to beat. Like, I'm still the guy to beat. So it definitely makes things super super interesting there's a huge cap on to uh or a huge point on to izzy's legacy because sure. not like as we said last week with the percentage of fighters that instantly rematch and get their belt back there's not a lot of them and now he's one of them absolutely in our co-main event john gilbert burns defeats jorge masvidal via unanimous decision uh Huge win for Gilbert Burns here. Uh, This fight did get off to a slow start, uh, but once the action picked up, kind of halfway through the first round there, midway through, um, this fight was all Gilbert Burns. Landed Mm -hmm. the bigger, cleaner shots in my opinion. Obviously, he held a huge uh, advantage in the grappling department, Um, and I think this result and outcome was no surprise to either of us sitting here today. Yeah, no, I thought that, you know, if anything, I'm very, very, very impressed by just Gilbert's trajectory of yeah. his, his striking yeah i mean if, if most people would have thought that he's the one who you know wins most of these exchanges there's some people who might have been a little bit surprised but yeah seeing how he did in the chamaya fight and just that kind of the way he's kind of trajectory from the uzman fight he's just getting so much better yeah. and he's yeah. so much better than everybody else on the ground that it's almost scary how good his, his yeah. striking is getting and for masvidal you know uh good for him to have this um opportunity and he had some moments but i think it's just kind of the story of his last couple couple fights where it's just like you know he just doesn't quite have that same edge yeah it's funny in the post fight you know brandon's you know facts don't care last week was kind of all about uh masvidal and just kind of how without that flying knee uh the masvidal we have today there would have been no uh, Jorge Masvidal, or at least not to this level. Um, and it was funny because last night in the post fight, I saw Dana really literally said that exact thing is that knee changed his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really that whole year that, you know, kind of mm-hmm. ended in that, that with that big knee there, it, it was such a huge, li- not just career, but Ben Askren was pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. For Twitter. sure. Finally don't have to see that highlight. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but just such a huge moment, and, and to, for it to all lead to last night for Jorge Masvidal, he did take the gloves off, retired mm-hmm. in the ring. 
Um, the fighting resume for Jorge Masvidal speaks for itself. I mean, mm-hmm. future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. 50 fights. Crazy, man. And then you even go before, dude. Like, I remember us watching him in Kimbo's, you know, the backyard mm-hmm. stuff or at the boat docks, right? With like some jean shorts on and a ponytail. Crazy, man. Um, that he ended up here. I mean, it just, I couldn't imagine. And I know his goal was to bring the UFC back to his home of Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. He did that. Um, it's not the way he would have wanted to end it. Right. Uh, but still a storybook ending for a legendary career. And congrats to Game Bread, man. Like, what a yeah. career. Uh, just just couldn't be more happy for somebody like that um, to, to find their way <laughs> into right. like, this situation. Well, it's and, awesome. and not only to change the game with the knee, but... He got the UFC just to make up a title, and he yeah. got to get it. Um, he he got to fight some of the best guys in the world. There's some guys who who were on the trajectory yeah. he was at that don't get that opportunity, and he was able to do that and make himself one of the biggest fighters ever, like, as far as a brand wise, one of the most popular fighters in the UFC. You know, at, when at one point he was kind of just a journeyman, just taking. Yeah whatever fight he could get in different organizations. So to see him get to this point and, and be able to leave on these terms, you know, went out fighting. Um, yeah. You just can't ask for more for him. You know, after a big fight like this, a big card like this, uh, you know, we get, I, I got into bed about 2 a.m. East mm-hmm. coast. We're on the Eastern standard time. I was laying down about 2 a.m. Literally my heart was just pounding out of my chest. till probably about three fifteen this morning. Like just yeah. couldn't sleep. You know, how do you come down when you see fights and cards like this? And I'd kind of finally gotten myself to like drift away, you know, over the main event. I'm starting to drift out into sleep. And it's almost like that home alone scene where she falls asleep and wakes up and she's like, Kevin, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I had one of those moments and it was, I want to know, does this mean the BMF title is vacant? Whoa. I mean, come on now, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, would you be mad if Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler is now for the BMF title? I mean, that would be, I, I mean, mean, come yeah. on, dude. I mean, it's a vacant title night now, uh, or uh, technically now it's vacant. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that was just one of my, like, as I'm closing my eyes and I'm like, BMF title, what? It's vacant. Oh, hold on, <laughs> yeah. hold on, hold on. And then your mind starts going, like right. you're running through all these different possibilities. Um, but is also, is this the end of the BMF title? You yeah. know, does this, uh, was that just a moment in mixed martial arts, UFC history that it was just a flash in the pan. It was it, the right circumstances. It happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, that title and that moment leaves with Jorge Masvidal. There's a great story there. I think it could. Right. And, and that would forever be something attached to him and his legacy and, and further, um, not that he needs it to get into the UFC Hall of Fame, but would help propel that as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just <laughs> maybe you pivot to the the NMF belt and give it to, have Wonder Boy so fight for it. <laughs> like make it an all white belt instead of all black belt. Start a new one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now we got to move to the winner. Like I said wanted to lead there. I know Gilbert won, deserves his flowers, but you also have to lead with Matthew. Right. Y'all, uh, he's that's, the whole reason they're in Miami. Yeah, uh, dude, a hundred percent. That's bang on right there. Uh, but we have to move to the winner real quick, Gilbert Burns, because what's next for this guy, right? Um, as one-sided and impressive as this win was, it also wasn't enough um, if I am the UFC Dana White to, to move me off this Colby Covington, especially mm-hmm. with how much they've just like, it's nobody else. But Colby Covington, right. you know, it would have taken something spectacular last night to get them to be like, well, wait a minute. Right. Um, and it just wasn't enough. It was impressive, dominant, but just not, you know, not right. enough. It wasn't as huge of a statement. And I think he could be well with in his right to hold out for a title shot but we also know that's not his mo that never has been for a guy like gilbert burns um he fights anyone anytime so if the ufc calls his number this week's or this week and says hey we got fighter a he'll do it 
Right. Um, obviously, there's Bilal and Shavkat, or Shavkat, excuse me, um, but they're rumored to be fighting each other next. Um, nothing is official with that fight, uh, but Dana White did say, because Gilbert demanded that he be mm-hmm. next for the title, he demanded that he be the fill-in uh, for the welterweight uh, fight between Covington and Edwards. Dana White said he'll give Gilbert whatever he wants. He can be the backup fighter. He confirmed it last night. I think if you're Gilbert Burns, that's 100% the route you take yeah. because apparently, as we now see with Colby, uh, being a backup fighter is Make the new wait. is the new meta to get yeah. title shots in the UFC. Uh, Sorry, but what do you think? Bitch. I mean, he, he's got to wait it out, right? You yeah. Don't, you don't well, fight again. His post fight, he did say that he doesn't want any other fight. Yeah. He said that he wants the title fight next. I know, but I just know like right. Gilbert Gilbert Burns is the guy where they're like, "Hey Gilbert, you want to fight right. Bilal?" Or Shavkat gets injured, and they're like, "Do you want?" Or vice versa, and they're like, and he'll just be like, "Yeah, I'll do it." So. Yeah, but there's also a world where he's probably seeing how the new way to get to where you want to go isn't necessarily I doing hope, that because it, he deserves it, right? Yeah, it, you know, doing favors doesn't always work out the same way for you, um, depending on what that favor is and who you are. So yeah. I think he should hold out. I think he Agreed. deserves it. Uh, I mean, imagine also like if the Hamzat fight goes a different way and he does get that decision win, now you're in a whole weirder spot. Yeah. So, you know, that little setback kind of put him in this spot, but it's also probably a little bit of a blessing because now he gets to sit back and see what happens between, um, obviously, whenever they set up the Leon right. and, and Colby, and then he can be right there in the wins. And then you do have a Bilal and Shavkat. If that, once that fight gets announced or whatever, you know, the winner there could still be there depending on what happens. But I think he's definitely done himself a big favor by kind of maybe backing off the, oh, I need the title shot right now and saying, hey, all right, well, if that's not going to do it, no matter what I say, then I need you to put me in this next spot. John, my fingers are working double time today because the next fight, Rob Font defeats Adrian Yanez via first round knockout. Yikes. And I told you and Brandon last week, there's levels to this game, baby. Um, and this is why only one king, me, sits on top of our neon belly throne with these fight picks. What an absolute exclamation mark performance by Rob Font. That jab, 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 a jab, jab. Uh, Giannis started fast like I thought he would, mm-hmm. but Font stayed calm, stuck to his game plan, stuck to his technique, put that jab out there, and what a beautiful shot that ended it all. Right hook, sent Giannis straight to his back, and that was it. This is a massive win for Rob Font yeah. to get back on track in his career. Because Adrian Yanez, forget that number in front of his name. Forget even this loss here. This dude will fight for a world title one right. day. Right, yeah. And I mean, you know, we talk about how deep this division is. You could just take numbers off and just be like, wow, this this fight makes sense. Absolutely. This fight makes sense. Yep, I And agree. this is the guy you have to beat because yeah. you've, done, you've had two fights against the top guys right. in the division. They didn't go your way. Yep. You have to show that you're still here. And, man... I mean, way to, what a way to put yourself back on the, sure. the map in the division because people don't do Yanez like that. There's people who've hurt him a little bit, but nobody who's been able to just completely incapacitate him like that. And to be yeah. able, and the way he was setting it up with kind of cuffing the back of his head to where it looked like he might go clinch and then just dragging him into that right hand and just, oh, it was violent. And uh, I loved every few minutes of it for as long as it lasted. I think there's a couple options for Rob Font moving forward. You know, Piotr Jan excuse me, Dominic Cruz, or possibly even a rematch with Marlon Vera. Mm-hmm. 
all three um, of them coming off of losses, but also all three right around his name in the rankings. Uh, but Rob Font did say in his post-fight that he'd also love to welcome Davison Figueroa to the bantamweight division. Any of those interest you in terms of names? I know we've heard Figueroa and Cruz rumored, um, but again, when there's nothing official, we know we're kind of entering now where the UFC, it's like you just don't know. Yeah, and it'll just depend on what... I kind of like the Piotr Young. Yeah, I don't know one. why. Like, I just feel like that makes so much sense for both of them. Um, I mean, really, any yeah. of them. I mean, uh, maybe not the rematch with Cheeto yet. Um, I think you could maybe let both those guys get a win or two before right. they run that one back. Um, obviously, Dom Cruz, but... Yeah, I mean, Figueroa would be great, Figgy, too. The the style matchup there would just be... Yeah, there's just something about that Piotr Jan fight, though, where I'm like, I would really like to see that matchup. I would like to see it, but I want to see Jan still in the UFC, and that's a murderer's row that he had a through. But that's the through. Bantamweight division, yeah, man. Nah, that's what that's we, true. We talked about it, you know, last week on the episode. You don't get a break. You don't in this division, man. There's just nowhere to hide, unfortunately. I mean, what do you... I mean, dude, imagine Piotr Jan going and fighting. I mean, hey... Piotr Jan and Adrian Yanez can make sense now. Right. You know what I mean? Both coming off of losses. And like you said, if there's a case for numbers and divisions not mattering, this is one division where you can make a case that it maybe matters in terms of like officially, technically, you know, seating these guys. But right. man, anybody could beat anybody in this division. Well, so. And we're talking about all these people, and you have like a Ricky Simone at 10, a Umar Namagamedov at 11, yeah. Chris Gutierrez at 13. Like there's just so many. Like it's just like there's not a fight that doesn't sound bad. I'm I'm interested in anybody one through fifteen fighting. They're all good fights. So yeah. I'm super super excited to see what Rob Font does next. And I think that you know Peter Young could be a huge one for sure. John Kevin Holland defeats Santiago Ponzinibbio via third round TKO. Um, Who's winning this fight was what I said literally five seconds before <laughs> Holland landed that left hook that knocked out Ponzinibbio. This was a close fight, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ponzinibbio really having success with those leg kicks, right? And then Kevin kind of getting, you know, off a little bit more with the hands, the bigger shots maybe. Uh, but, man, it's big mouth Holland back in the wind column after dropping two straight. Good win for him here. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, and that's not a guy that gets put away. Ponzinibbio does not – he gets hurt. He finds a way to get back. He's tough as nails, but – he didn't even see that hand coming, that left hand no. like dumping out. <clears throat> Absolutely and not. Yeah. The thing about Kevin Holland is he is explosive like that. Yeah. And um, you know, that's a huge win for him. Right. Uh, especially in a division where he kind of hasn't got his feet set yet. And this is a good fight to kind of say, okay, yeah. I know I'm at the level of beating Ponzinibbio. Now let me start seeing what's next for me. But yeah. and for Ponzinibbio, I mean, like you said, it was so close that if that fight, if that punch doesn't land, who knows what that decision right. goes to. But, I mean, that's that's the name of the game. Yeah. You know, at any minute, it can be over. Called out Jorge Masvidal, which I said on our live show, if Masvidal lost, that fight between him and Kevin Holland would make a ton of sense whether Holland won or lost. Uh, but the fact that Holland won would have made it even that much sweeter um, but we know Masvidal did retire. Mm -hmm. um, so if there was a case for Jorge to maybe do one more, it would be this. Uh, if you don't know, these two had a run-in midweek, mm -hmm. fight week, in the hotel lobby, I believe, um, which kind of started this whole back and forth between the two of them. Um, it seemed like it was going to build towards something really fun. Because I, I, like I said on Friday's show, is um, I do think if Masvidal won, he was it was a title shot next for him. Mm -hmm. And... and because I was also thinking, too, after the retirement last night, I'm like, would Masvidal have retired regardless, win or lose, to be in Miami? You know, he said, I started here, I'm going to end it here. And it was like, man, you know, he would have had two options. Do you go out with your last fight as a win in Miami 
But also, we know these guys are competitive. If you know a title's next, you probably yeah. go for it regardless. So, um, Kevin Holland, probably not big enough to draw uh, Jorge out of an early retirement. Right. Uh, but it would have been a fun fight. Um, I don't really know where he goes now. Um, he's just a character, man. And yeah. you just never, ever know. We kind of talked about with Kevin Holland. He's one of those guys where you're like... I don't think titles mean anything to him. Mm -hmm. Wins and losses don't mean anything to him. I don't think opponents. I think he wants to fight people that he that get him up to fight, get him excited. Right. He doesn't care who you are. Hamza Shimaev on 24 hours, let's go. Right. Like, you know, that's just Kevin Holland. So, who knows? Possibilities yeah. are endless with this Yeah, guy. I think it's anybody or a last minute against anybody in the top 15 because that's been his MO at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll fight anybody under, but if you need somebody to fight yeah. Sean Brady last minute, guess what? That's your guy. <laughs> yeah. John Christian Rodriguez defeats Raul Rosas Jr. via unanimous decision. What an opportunity mm -hmm. this is or was, I mean, for Christian Rodriguez. Um, and he came in and made the most of it. Uh, really sucks for him that he did miss weight because, as I said on the live show, it wouldn't totally ruin it if he won, but it definitely does put a cloud over this. Right. Um, but that was just uh, really the only wrong step he had mm -hmm. in any of this fight week stuff or this fight itself. Uh, Rosas Jr. came out, shot straight away, refused to have anything to do with the stand-up, um, and he did have a strong round one with the grappling. Mm -hmm. I, I did give him that first round, um, but I think when that's all your offerings are in the UFC and in a big fight when you're facing other professionals like that and then the cardio fades, there's just not much more to stand on, yeah. and that's kind of what we saw here because by round two it was all christian rodriguez from then on out and really by the end of round three rodriguez was just beating rosas mm -hmm. jr up who was very tired um but your thoughts on the fight and kind of where does rosas jr go from here right because this is kind of what i would say if there's doubters or haters of rosas jr it's like being 18 years old and you could see at moments in that fight where like at one point uh, Christian Rodriguez just literally like tossed him on his head, like yeah. just just grown man strength him, right? right? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because you know uh, Rosas went three for sixteen on takedowns, yeah, and like you said in the first round had a lot of success with just being very tenacity. But you know what? Real quick, I did think too a couple times when Rosas did, Jr. did let his hands go, he did have some success. Yeah. He caught Christian Rodriguez big a couple times, but it's like the confidence maybe just mm -hmm. isn't there yet with the hands. So well, and it seemed like his corner suggestions were always just get to the takedown, yeah. get to the back. Yeah. And I do agree. I think he was he was able to use real long strikes because I doubt Christian Rodriguez was worried about that at any sure. at any point. Um, yeah. But, you know, Rodriguez is, does have a little bit more experience. He's at a really good yeah. camp as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he had it. He was very calm throughout the whole thing. I think that for Rosas Jr., it's, he needs to go back and find some confidence in his striking. Yeah. And, and, you know, just even rebounding from this because he was on Sweet a very time. huge hype train. Yeah. And, you know, like we talked, the internet is not forgiving. No. And he's an 18-year-old kid who, you know, had all this opportunity and now it's slipped a little bit and now it's going to be up to him and, yeah. his, and the people around him to kind of rebuild him back up for this. Yeah, and, and yeah, we can kind of stop there for a sec because this is how I feel. Um, regardless how you feel about Rosas Jr., I do feel for this kid today. Um, hey, he inherited the risk. He, You know, mm -hmm. regardless of anything, he did make the walk and, and good for him for that. Um, but yeah, this can't happen. This is fighting right, right. Um, but to be put on the main card of a massive pay-per-view with so little UFC experience and life experience for that right. matter um, and to say the stuff that he said and the way that he said it and it rubbed fans the wrong way 
I've just got a bad feeling that he is going to get battered on social media. Mm -hmm. I've kind of already seen some stuff that's even just a little, again, distasteful, like going a little too far in my opinion. Um, And with this being an 18-year-old kid, I'm just really worried. Um, I wish Brandon was here because, you know, this is kind of his thing, right? But I'm just really worried about how this may affect him compared to that of if if this was an adult who uh, maybe had more... Uh, was more mentally capable of taking the heat, right? I mean, taking it as an adult is a little bit different than when you're 18 years old and your brain and everything's still developing. Like, I don't think the hate that Colby Covington receives from the stuff he says keeps him up at night or the confidence that he expresses, right? He's conditioned for it. He's Mm -hmm. been through it. Um, so I do hope that the fan base kind of remembers, uh, his age a little bit, takes a little heed to that, you know, but we know MMA fans are just ruthless. Right. Um, so check I, our comment section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Colby Covington, right? You put some Colby Covington hate out in the world and boy, I'm not even hate. We don't, it's not hate, but just opinion, anything opinion against Colby. And yeah, you get called a nerd, a virgin. Right. We've, we've heard some funny ones in, yeah. in recent, but um, you know, and you kind of hope that, you know, his corner is his family. It is. Um, yeah. And you kind of hope that they, they, they're able to find a way to, they know him the best, so find a way to really talk to him, make them make this a lesson, because it's not like he didn't have bright spots in this, because he did. Oh, yeah. There were some strikes that looked good. He's still 18 years old, He's yeah. 18. His grappling is really good. I feel like um, Rodriguez had chances to finish rear nakeds, and yeah. he didn't. And I don't know if that's a, him not maybe having as much experience sure. there, or just not wanting to risk getting turned into, or whatever it is, but... Um, Rosas has a lot of things to take from this, I think. And as long as they can find a way to spin that positive and kind of, you know, there is a little bit of humbling that comes in this. But when, like I said, like we talked about on the show, like 18 year old me would have been the same way in that position. If not worse. Yeah. I would have, you would have, wouldn't have been able to tell me nothing until. That's what I said. You give a kid like that a platform and like give him a microphone to talk on. Like, yeah, you're going to talk about 18, you know, the way an 18 year old would. And And you're not helping your confidence by saying, yeah, I'm 18. I know I need to blah, blah, blah. No, you got to have that bravado in this, in this business. If, if you don't have that kind of quiet confidence. So do you think maybe the UFC uh, should reassess the Raul Rosas Jr. We'll call it an experiment. Um, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, or his immediate future, at least like now that maybe his overall game has kind of been exposed a bit. Right. And then he's taken a loss. The L's there now. Should the UFC maybe restructure his contract and give him a developmental contract or something to allow him to go fight in a smaller, maybe regional promotion? Um, because I just think it's going to be so tough. I mean, we've talked about it with other people like a Sage Northcutt or, you know, um, Chase, Hooper. Chase Hooper, younger guys that come in, you know, but even like a Mickey Gall or, right. you know, some of these other people, it's like, I don't want to, like I said, again, I don't want to call these people experiments, but definitely came in in a unique situation, right? right? But I think it's just going to be so tough for Raul Rosas Jr. to get better in the UFC, fighting UFC level competition, Mm -hmm. fighting the best guys in the world. It's just, maybe they just need to like, hey, like, let's take maybe two fights and go fight on like, you know, a more regional or, you know, a feeder show or something. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, not like a PFL or Bellator, right. but you know what I'm saying? Like but them just, having feeder regional shows definitely right. does allow that to be an opportunity. Now that's not something they've ever done before, but you know, it, it's something that makes sense because uh, yeah. the only other option is to put him at the bottom of the prelims and give him people more at what his, you know, speed might be at this point. So. Absolutely. John Kelvin Gastelum. Defeats Chris Curtis via unanimous decision. Believe in the Cejudo bump. Uh, sensational fight. 
Uh, first round was all Gastelum. The combos were looking crisp. The leg kicks really seemed to add up for him. Then Curtis came out strong in the second round. An accidental headbutt by Gastelum did drop Curtis to his knees, but mm-hmm. Curtis was able to recover. And honestly, this round was razor close after that. I thought, I think even regardless of the headbutt, it was close. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third round, these guys both just emptied the tank through everything they had left. I honestly had no idea who won going to the scorecards, but I have to say personally, I I felt like Chris Curtis did just enough in rounds two and three personally, mm-hmm. but could have went either way. Uh, but again, and like I told you, you also have to recognize that it, us watching, we had the luxury of knowing that the headbutt, the headbutt was accidental. The judges saw him drop, could have thought, and that could have been what won him the round because mm-hmm. I do think it came down to that round two possibly. Uh, but your thoughts, because I also definitely didn't see 30-27 for Gaslam. That yeah, was crazy. There was some weird judging throughout this whole card. Sure. And I think that I wonder if... The, the like the refs or somebody does tell the judges in between rounds, hey, that was a headbutt. Because like in boxing, when there's a slip knockdown, the referee is very quick to go up to the judge and say, no, it was a slip. It wasn't from a punch. Right. Um, but I just don't know how that works in between rounds. But I'm with you. I thought Curtis edged it. I thought he really went for it in the third. Uh, the first half, I felt like he did way more, and then they were kind of hitting each other a lot in the second half. And I think with the headbutt, he had to eat a lot of strikes while he was recovering because it hit him right in the chin. Yeah. Um, initially, so a very, very close fight. Very good to see Kelvin kind oh, of back dude, to that potential man. Yeah, especially after the time off, the injury, everything. Like he looked fantastic. I mean, like I said, close fight. He said he felt like his job was on the line. It's hard not to think that, uh, you know, he needed a big win like this. He is going to now get a next fight in the UFC, which maybe, maybe there was some uncertainty if he takes his, takes a loss here on that. Uh, best thing to me about extreme couture is they have a plethora of middleweights and Curtis has shared many of opponents with his teammate, Sean Strickland. I would love to see Kelvin Gastelum and Sean Strickland. And remember it was Strickland who replaced Gastelum when he got injured back in January to face Nazardini Mavov in the first card of the year right uh so there's a little story there and if you don't think strickland won't remind gasolum that he uh stepped in and had to save his the day you're crazy right. and, and in a sean strickland way right oh, like 100 he'll, he'll remind gasolum every time that you know he who even knows he quits couldn't fight right. you know he'll he'll remind him Call that him a he, sissy or something whatever yeah yeah but i think that fight could make a ton of sense it'd be a great fight especially seeing gasolum and one thing you know cejudo said in a video leading up to the fight is Leg kicks were a big thing that they worked with Gaslam, and I thought, man, you saw it. That was a great yeah. evolution into his game and something he implemented and used well in this fight. So good for Gaslam. Yeah, and I don't think Curtis really loses. This is this builds up Curtis, Chris Curtis yeah. stock. This guy who just goes in and just bullies people and boxes. Sure. I mean, some of the best boxing in the division. Oh, yeah, for sure. Doing the body shots. Maybe so. he just needs to implement leg kicks of his own as well. Right, I, I mean, he finally threw a couple kicks in yeah. that, and I think that could have helped him a lot. Joe Piper, John, defeats Gerald Marshart via first-round TKO. Just want to touch on this one real quick because I think the whole be like Joe Piper thing kind of <laughs> took a life of its own and has almost become a joke. And it, it is funny to say, you know, kind of like whatever. But there is absolutely nothing funny about Joe Piper. No. Uh, this dude is legit. And to beat a guy like GM3 the way he did is no joke. No. Uh, very Hamzat Shimaev-esque, mm-hmm. if you catch my drift. I'm not saying he's on that level yet, but this is something to watch because, like I said, we saw Hamzat dismantle Mirashar in the same way. And GM3 is no joke, man. No. He's a very legit guy. This is only Joe Piper's second fight in the UFC. And I'm I'm, I'm watching, man. That Piper power is real because that wasn't even like a flush punch. Yes. I just kind of clipped the bottom of the chin and it was, 
was right. And that follow up shot was devastating. Absolutely. Brandon is not here to update us on the scores, but I think it was a big night for your boy because hmm. guess what? I only missed on the main event. Hundred percent otherwise. Um Shout out to Izzy though for that for a moment like that I will gladly take you yeah. on that one but just know your boy went a hundred percent outside of that okay <laughs> it's easy it's not easy man yeah it's not easy um maybe you and Brandon will start taking this more serious all I missed on was Giannis Brandon uh Gaslam oh Gaslam you yeah. took you took Chris Curtis which I still think Curtis could have won that so hey, I'm just saying yeah well you, you took Curtis on that too didn't you no. oh no you didn't no that's why I told I the, forgot like on the Friday the, show you were kind of leaning a little bit and you yeah, decided to stay the, with the Gaslam. font uh the font and Gaslam were the two where I told you guys there's levels to this yeah um but hey you guys get another shot brandon will give us his pick picks midweek for this fight card mm-hmm. so let us move into it john because this saturday april 15th from the t-mobile center in kansas city missouri a main card start time of 8 30 p.m eastern in the flyweight division number two max blessed holloway versus number four arnold almighty allen and John, this is another fire fight night main event matchup. Sheesh. Former featherweight champ Max Holloway is coming into this fight off his unanimous decision loss to current champ Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, prior to that loss, though, Holloway had rattled off back-to-back wins with impressive performances over Calvin Cater and current interim champ Yai Rodriguez. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His opponent, Arnold Allen, is coming into this fight having won the last 12 straight fights of his MMA career with 10 of those wins being inside the UFC. Um, Allen is coming in off back-to-back TKO finishes over Dan Hooker and most recently Calvin Cater in October of last year and as excited as I am for this matchup I do think a win for Allen makes his place in this division very clear Mm -hmm. he'll be right at the top possibly next in line after the Ayer Volk unification bout Um, but I'm not so sure what a win does for Holloway here in the division especially if Volk beats Yair right Right. there's no way having lost three times to him that the UFC will probably match them up again but if Yair beats Volk this division is wide open for Max honestly because nobody would say no to a second meeting between Max Holloway and Yair especially with how close that first one was so if there's going to be one Yair fan when it's Volk versus uh um yeah, a year. Uh, it's going to be Max Holloway, oh, right? Because yeah. he wants to get back to that title, uh, I'm sure. But as long as it's Volk sitting there, I don't know that he's going to get it. So uh, your thoughts, though, on the matchup and who you taking? Well, what's interesting about it, too, is although you don't know what's going to happen from that, you also don't know, you know, even say Volkanovski wins, if he even stays at 45. Sure, and he or wants, Max for that matter. Right. And, you know, so Max's T's going up to 55. Right, so, so Max could do that, or he could kind of yeah. sit in the cut and wait. You know, if, if Volkanovski, yeah. you know, relinquishes his title, to go up to 55 for Islam, yeah. he'd be the one who would fight, you know, whoever else would be the next person up. For sure. Um, what is interesting about this is like you don't think about how long Max Holloway's been fighting. Yeah. He's only two years older than Arnold or Arnold Allen, and he's like Arnold Allen. Allen, 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 <laughs> Arnold Allen. And I mean, obviously, Arnold's a little bit more newer to the scene, but that's just how long yeah. Max has just been running things. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, well, then he start kickboxing at like 13 or something, yeah. taking like pro kickboxing fights. Yeah, crazy. It's it's ridiculous. And you know, it's interesting because it's a tale of two different styles of winning mm-hmm. holloway's been in you know a decision machine recently but he just volumes people yep. outstrikes people um whereas arnold allen these last couple fights has just been a, a, a finisher yeah i mean if you look at what max holloway did to calvin cater very impressive sure but that was five rounds yeah whereas you look at what allen did in two rounds completely took him out so it is interesting to see how this matchup goes and i don't feel like Arnold Allen has shown the type of holes that Max Holloway exposes, and he does have a level of of grappling 
that I think can really help him in this. So I'm actually heading with Arnold Allen. I'm going to say third round TKO. Alrighty, this matchup, yeah, it intrigues me because Max is Max on the feet, right? And we right. all know the level that he's on. But I think stylistically, Arnold Allen matches up really well against mm-hmm. Max Holloway. Uh, Max definitely throws a lot and at high volume. But Arnold Allen, defensively very sound. Uh, he has great footwork and head movement. And we all know that Arnold Allen, like you said, he cracks. Um, and Max does have a tendency to get hit a lot. Mm-hmm. But we know also how durable Max Holloway is. He's walked through the fire many of times. I also don't know that Allen can mix it up enough on the feet. He's not a guy who throws a ton of kicks or leg kicks mm-hmm. as well. But he does also have takedown abilities. But on the contrary, Max also pretty good takedown defense in his career. As he's shown before. Right. Um, and so for me, if this turns into a stand-up battle and it's Max's diverse striking attacks versus the boxing of Arnold Allen, I feel like Max wins this matchup. One thing I will say in that last Volk fight... Um, Volk said that Max, uh, or Volk said he felt like Max was a bit slower in that last fight. And though Max is just 31 years old and he's had 30, or though he is just 31 years old, he's had 30 mixed martial arts fights, as John just said, with 26 of those being in the UFC. And we also know that the wars that he's been through, especially as of late. um, So might we be seeing a regressing Max Holloway? Right. Sure. And if that's the case, it could be a great night for Arnold Allen. Um, but as a fan, I'm just not ready for Max to turn the keys over to this division right. yet. I still think he's like just the top, top crop of this division. Um, I can't judge him off that last fight or performance um, against a guy he had already spent 50 minutes in the cage with right. going into it. And again, if this does, if this is a stand-up battle, you look at the Cater fight, you look at the Yair fight, and it's just so tough to go against Blessed here. I like Max Holloway, and I like him by unanimous decision. Brandon's gonna hate it, man, because he's he should be picking first here, but he's gonna mm-hmm. have to he's gonna have to pick, pick the scraps. scraps. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to pick the scraps. John in our co-main event, number fourteen, Edson Junior Barbosa versus Billy Corintillo, Billy Q, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edson Barbosa, John, returning after one year of uh, time on the sidelines. Most of that time was spent rehabbing a knee injury. But the time may have been what he needed, as we talked about with Gaslam, because he's coming into this fight on a two-fight losing streak and has won just two in his last seven fights. His most recent consecutive losses were against Giga Chikadze and in his last fight in March of last year, Bryce Mitchell. But before those two losses uh, of, of... Doing, if you're doing the MMA math at home, I mean, he did have an impressive win over Shane Burgos, who def, uh, defeated Barbosa's opponent for this fight, Billy Q, mm-hmm. uh, because Billy Quarantillo comes into this fight off a second round TKO victory over Alex Hernandez in his last fight. Billy Q has struggled for consistency, consistency as of late. He's 2-2 two and two in his last four, um, but the storyline heading into this one is pretty simple. It's Edson Barbosa trying to stay inside this top 15 of the featherweight division while Billy Q will look to enter his name into the rankings come next week your thoughts on this one john yeah i mean you could you could cue the song if you want to but i'm definitely uh leaning towards my boy 
I don't have a lot of them left at this point. So, uh, but you know, with Billy Q, it's knockout or de- he loses a decision. Knockout, lose a decision. And I think that Edson can be somebody who's especially over three rounds can be hard to hunt down. And I think you know it'll be nice to see what this um, layoff does do for Edson because he has all the potential in the world. We've seen him at his best look almost untouchable, and then we've seen him like in the Bryce Mitchell fight really struggle. So yeah. I'd be interested to see how he looks with the layoff. But I do like the experience that Edson has and the people that he's fought and beat. Absolutely. I like Billy Q here. Uh, Barbosa is as nasty and dangerous a striker as anyone and is super capable of putting anyone out. We also know that he has some of the best leg kicks, right? And Mm -hmm. not even just in the division, in the UFC. They're just filthy. Um, But as of late, Barbosa has really struggled with cardio and durability in a Mm -hmm. lot of these losses. And no one accentuates those qualities better than Billy Quarantillo. Um, I also do worry about the knee injury for a guy like Barbosa who does really rely on the kicking game so Mm -hmm. heavily, especially at his age. Right, he's getting up there. Um, I don't know the extreme uh, how extreme it was, but to see knee injury for a guy like him it does put a bit of a question mark for mm-hmm. me. And Billy Q may have to walk through that fire, like I said, a little bit, but I do think he can. And as long as he keeps a high pace, high pressure, and really utilizes that cardio as a weapon. I do think he can outlast Barbosa here. Um, he isn't the most prolific wrestler, but I also think Corintillo could get him down and control him there as well. Uh, but give me Billy Q by unanimous decision. I didn't say the method for Barbosa. I forgot to. What so you got? I'm, I'm going to say uh, unanimous as well for Barbosa. All righty. We're going to do some one-point picks because, like we said, this is a big fight night. So real quick for one point, John, just need a winner. Number nine, Pedro Munoz versus number 13, Chris Gutierrez. We haven't seen Pedro John since his no contest against Sean O'Malley last July. He came into that fight with back-to-back losses and has just one victory in his last six bouts. His opponent, Chris Gutierrez, is making his climb towards the top as he's unbeaten in his last eight with one draw. His last win was a first-round knockout over Frankie Edgar last November. John, who you got? I'm going to go Chris Gutierrez here. I just think being fresh and being, uh, I think it's just kind of entering his prime in this. I'm kind of just hoping these two go out and uh, exchange leg kicks until one of them falls. <laughs> right. It's a, a skill that both of these guys are just phenomenal at. Um, and while my heart would be with Pedro or is with Pedro, I'm also going to take Gutierrez here. Just think uh, he just, I don't know, man, there's something about those uh factory x guys right now yeah and i feel like if you look at like pedro in the aldo fight the leg kicks got to him a little bit and i think that gutierrez is one of the best at that in that division too the next one point pick john this is a big one in the flyweight division number four brandon roy val versus number five mateus nicolau uh this is, uh, like I said, a big one for this division. Roy Val coming in off back-to-back wins over Hagerio Bontarin and Matt Schnell with Nicolau coming in having won his last six straight with his last also, or his last win, excuse me, also being over Matt Schnell. Who you taking, John? I love Raw Dog Roy Val, but I have to go Matthias Nicolau. Yeah. I think he's just... He's just that guy. If you look at the people he's beating and the the way he's doing it, I just think he's he's going to be to a title shot probably by the end of the year maybe. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Uh, Roy Val, like Gutierrez, is a Factory X guy. And like mm-hmm. I said, you know I like my Factory X guys right now. There's Mark Montoya is doing something out there with those guys. Uh, but I do think that I'm going to also lean uh, Nicolau here. Uh, but I do expect this to be a super close and super yeah. competitive fight. I don't know how this isn't on the main card. I will say that yeah. as well. 
yeah. it may creep its way up there. Yeah. ESPN doesn't always get the bout order right. That's, That's why true. we just pick the ones that like we want to highlight. Also on this card, not for a pick though, just want to mention it. Uh, I wanted to say Tanner Bozer making his light heavyweight division against mm-hmm. Iwan Kutalabe. Uh, so good luck to the bulldozer who's uh, dropping down to, from heavyweight in what I think is a good move for him. And Clay Guida. Like we do also. Yeah, this is a great fight mm-hmm. night, guys. So tune in this Saturday. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys weren't with us Friday, we covered some of this Endeavor stuff, but we're going to run it back for you. Monday, the company who owns the UFC Endeavor announced that they're acquiring the WWE. Along with acquiring it, the CEO, Ari Emanuel, announced that they'll be combining both companies to form a new company called Nuco. The estimated value of the combined companies is $21 billion. Uh, there was rumors of other companies being interested, but obviously at the end of the day, Endeavor got the deal done with Vince McMahon. Um, it's supposed to be closed by the end of the year with Endeavor owning 51% and uh, WWE shareholders uh, owning the other 49%. Emanuel will be the CEO of Nuco. Uh Shapiro, Mark Shapiro, the president, is going to be the COO. Vince McMahon will be an executive chairman. Uh, WWE chief executive Nick Khan will be running the wrestling side, and Dana White will still be running over the UFC side. Uh, big big things for them, man. Yeah, this is huge. This is huge for both people involved, both parties involved. I like like you said, we talked about this very and longer, very extensively on Friday night show. So I would just tell you to uh, go over to MMA Underground's YouTube and uh, we had some fun with it. Yeah, too. click the videos. Yeah, we kind of talked about some maybe some guys from the UFC that we wouldn't mind seeing doing some pro wrestling and vice versa there. So mm. go see that. But just the only thing I will just say. Um, because I, I also know a lot of people listening right now probably didn't watch live social. I don't want to short sell everybody listening. Right. So I will kind of repeat a little bit, but, um, I told you guys two things that I thought instantly, my instant reaction were number one, I think this is a great option. Although, um, Dana White is saying that there's not going to be any cross promoting. That's eventually there's going to be something like right. there's no way you have these two massive, uh, companies. And even though maybe the fan crossover isn't there, I do think there is a lot, so I do think there'll be some cross-promotion. Right. Um, but I think, number one, guys entering the end of their career, and one that we kind of stuck out uh, was Derek Lewis. Like, a guy mm. like that who's got so much charisma. He's funny. He can do, you know, uh, and, and even just the physical, right, the body. Athletic, yeah, yeah, he would make a ton of sense in pro wrestling. Like, just gives him another option. And maybe not. But, you Him know. versus that guy that Brock fought. Yeah, there's only. Hilarious. Oh, yeah, Umas. I mean, there's just only so many analyst jobs and things to go around for retired fighters. And, and why not WWE if. If, if that kind of thing interests a mm-hmm. fighter, like I think it gives them another option, if nothing else. And I think somebody, one of the fighters, actually said that this week in the post-fight or in their pre-fight press conference as well. The second one is, for me, I think this is also massive for the amateur wrestling circuit. College wrestlers who get out of college, want to be competitive. Um, you know, normally the Olympics is that next step that every college wrestler probably dreams of. You know, mm-hmm. they want to go represent. And I think that will remain king. Um, but this super company now, um, there's only so many spots for Olympic wrestlers for men and women. So this company now will give amateur wrestlers the option to hopefully maybe sign under one big umbrella. And then from there, they can kind of choose. Do you want to do WWE? Do you want to do UFC? Or start one way and go maybe, another. Yeah, and maybe there's some crossover. I made uh, the 
analogy of like or a comparison of like a Gable Stevenson who mm-hmm. had to make this decision just last year. Do you want to do UFC or do you want to do WWE? He chose WWE, but maybe had this been an option, he would have just signed for this new mega company and we'll figure it out or I'll just do both. Because I do think you have to respect both of them as individual mm-hmm. crafts. You can't be a part-time professional and mixed martial artist in the UFC and you can't be a uh, part-time pro. Well, once you learn the craft, right. you know, you can't have a part-time schedule as we've seen. But... Um, this is could be huge, you know, for them. Like I said, uh, amateur wrestling, uh, college wrestling. There's not like an NBA or an NFL for these guys mm-hmm. and girls. It's the Olympics or you know, obviously UFC or WWE. Right. Well, now, you, if you can't make the Olympic team, now you got your two next best options under one roof, uh, and I think that's big. And the UFC is already heavily represented in the WWE with Ronda Rousey, yep. Brock Lesnar. You know, there's a host of sure. people who've made that jump, and there's people who. Uh, Look to do it as well. The good thing about it, too, for the UFC is the WWE holds 200 events annually, 180 countries. They have a fan base of $1.2 billion. Yeah. So being able to cross over that and those connections with some of those markets is going to be huge for both sides of this. And that's what I said on the show as well. Friday is it's not even always going to be all about... Um, when I say cross promotion, that doesn't mean like actual matches, but like what are the example I used is what if Friday night SmackDown was in Miami this week and Israel Adesanya or Alex Pedato or even a fighter who's not on the card, you know, maybe a Colby Covington. What if these guys and girls are that are involved in the UFC are just sitting cage side? It's just more promotion mm-hmm. on Friday night primetime TV. I think SmackDown kills it on Friday nights. So there's not much right. to watch. They're like the biggest thing on. You're getting more eyes. And to have a WWE event attached to a UFC event, whether there's crossover or not, as they move into these different markets like Miami or even going over to Africa or whatever, Canada, it's massive for this new super company to simultaneously run them and just take over these cities, Mm -hmm. cross promote. Um, So yeah, I don't, it's major, man. There, there's, like I said, there's no way um, this doesn't help elevate the UFC, the Mm -hmm. WWE. And I, like I said, I, I don't, want to get too much in the money because I don't understand it, but I hope every fighter, every employee is compensated justly, you know, mm-hmm. as they should be because this is going to be big. Yeah. I mean, a monopoly on this whole yeah. whole uh, sure. entertainment business. Absolutely. Uh, also, last night, um, huge announcements for the Hall of Fame is Robbie Lawler yes. and Rory McDonald, too, gets entered into the 2023 Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, first time I've ever, only time I've ever seen somebody's nose get punched off. Oh, dude. Literally, like we said, is like, one of the, if not the greatest, mixed martial arts UFC fights of all time. Yeah. I mean, just a classic. If you're a younger fan or maybe you're not, haven't seen Roy McDonald versus Robbie Lawler, seek that thing out, man. Mm-hmm. Just just like you said, Robbie's, uh, or I mean, Roy's nose literally just got punched off. Yeah. I mean, it just disgusting, bloodbath, fun, you know. Yeah, and Robbie Lawler got stunned a bunch of times. It was just the epitome of a back and forth. And it was for a title, correct? Or was it interim? Undisputed, uh, I don't remember, but... Um, Roy McDonald man was just never really the same after that and I mean that's like one of those fights where I'm glad that it's getting that um, recognition because a guy like Rory um, he left a little bit in there he I like a lot I think he left a lot in there man and deserves uh, to be recognized for that Um, to do something like that for us for fans you know for himself for his family his team and to put himself out there and then I mean Robbie Lawler absolute legend you know uh in my article uh for mma underground 
recapping the first Miami event 20 years ago. Robbie Lawler was on that card, Mm -hmm. um, and Robbie is the only uh, UFC fighter still active from that first card 20 years ago, man. 20 years ago, Robbie Lawler was fighting. His career could drink alcohol. Dude, yeah, he was (laughs) fighting at UFC 42 um, in Miami, so for him to then get this announcement in Miami 20 years later, and he's still an active fighter, what a legend, both of these mm-hmm. guys. Uh, yeah, just a dope moment and, yeah. and very deserving. I mean, and the UFC is doing their thing with this Hall of Fame yeah. class this year, and it's been real nostalgia for us. Um, so it's, it's exciting. That's because all these guys we grew up with are... <laughs> no, it's so tough. <laughs> yeah, they're all finding their way in there. Um, as we talked about earlier, huge news for the um, for Alex Volkanovsky is he'll be facing Yair Rodriguez July 8th at UFC 290. I heard that's not confirmed. Well, I, all the outlets that I tr- that I, I get know, all of our we info talked about from. it, and I was like, because I think Ariel put it out right, Hawaii, yeah. and I was like, well, if he's saying it, but they asked Dana about it uh, last night at the post fight, and he said, somebody said, is that confirmed? And he said, yep, can't confirm it yet. So, yeah, but all indications are that, that every every outlet that we use for sources yes, has said that no, it's happening. Yeah, that's why, um, the, and I did tell you, like, I think there's enough on it that yeah. we can go ahead and talk. And that's about international it. fight week, right? And obviously, there's been rumors of John Jones and Stipe yeah, happening. Dana then. said, yeah, somebody asked Dana about John Jones and Stipe, and Dana was like, you know, John came back dominated and he has disappeared he's like we you know he's like we'll get it figured out but yeah Mm -hmm. so i don't know man but i mean that's a huge fight i mean doesn't yeah it just doesn't sound like jones and cpa is very close yeah so but for yayir and alex that's a huge featherweight fight and uh, it's big can't can't wait for that can't wait for that and then obviously another big news that happened is amanda nunez and juliana pena three will be taking place at ufc 288 in vancouver uh june 10th um, there were some rumors of some other fights for Amanda, but now we're here for this trilogy fight. So, Man, and this plays right back into the Alex Pedeta thing that I said where, you know, I think typically um, a champion that does not defend his or her belt doesn't usually get an immediate rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the uniqueness of Pena beating and Amanda Nunes earn her this shot. And that's why I think there is, we've seen examples like that where there is such a big case for Alex Pedeta to get that immediate title rematch um, because it's a very unique situation as well. Right. I don't know what Raquel Pennington has to do at this point. I think she's yeah. won like six in a row. I thought she would be next for sure. You mentioned even like an Irene Aldana. Um, but this division is not the strongest. And, and you have Holly Holm who just recently come off of a win yeah. and wants to go for the belt. So Well, and Pena just made herself just an overnight name in the yeah. sport for beating Amanda Nunez. So that's what I said, you know, when we were talking about Izzy Pereira 3, it's like that's that's your storyline right there the, right. when there's something unique like that. So not super shocking, but, I mean, I don't know what I said. I, I, I don't know what Pennington has to do, but yeah. good for the UFC going back to Vancouver. Yeah, when's the last or going back when's to Canada? They've been to Vancouver. I don't know, but going you just going back to Canada. Um, and I love Vancouver. I, yeah. I said on the Friday show, it's like it's the only Canadian city I've been to, but I, I could live live there hundred yeah. percent. Um, a couple more smaller fights. You have Macy Barber and Amanda Hebus. That's going to be happening. Uh, fight night June twenty fourth. Hey. I called that one. Yeah. I mean, the winner After of that one. Macy Barber, I said, hey, Amanda Hebos makes a ton of sense. Right. And a winner of that's in a really good position. And then uh, lastly, we have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Michelle Pereira. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one as that's well. That's going to be, I mean, I can't imagine the yeah. highlights that are going to come from that. So, All righty. Song of the week is me. I was going to go 
for Max Holloway. I was going to do Blessed by Big Sean, mm. but I, I pivoted, right? I got on my one foot and did a pivot, and I'm going to do Wilbert Harris in Kansas City in honor of the UFC going to Kansas City this Saturday. So nice. shout out to Wilbert Harrison, man. John, what is your one for the people? My one for the people is just uh, enjoy time with your family, man. I love Easter time. It's notoriously in my family. That's kids just, getting around. Fish. I know you're usually the weather guy, but, man, I'm just so happy here in central Indiana <laughs> yeah. to have 65 degrees and sunny today. Yeah, what's weird is at nighttime it's getting, like, freezing. Yeah, but, it's cold. Yeah, I just enjoy time with your family, man. You never know when uh, you're going to miss that and uh, enjoy join time with the kiddos. That's what I'm going to do. My nieces and nephews, I got, like, 100 of them, so I'm going to go watch them pick up eggs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, not much for me. Just, just want to echo everything uh, that we said at the beginning is, um, man, just please keep supporting. Um, it's mm -hmm. like I said, there's just some cool things that are just going on and, uh, just cannot thank, uh, everybody who continues to listen each week, continue to, you know, spread the word, tell people if you have friends, family that are into this sport and maybe would want to hear it, you know, the word of mouth thing is just, it's massive, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, man, we're excited and just continue to support the content and, uh, look back for the kickback show, man. Yes, sir. Can't wait one month. UFC 288. We'll do it again. It was fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, too much. Come back next week. We will get you guys recapped for this card. There's one next. I, I got to remember. I always forget yeah. to put the next fight in my notes, but there is a next yeah. fight. So come back. We'll see you guys. I don't in. keep score. I settle it. Peace.